Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And with that, welcome to America's Heroes Group, this time with our roundtable historically speaking with Kirkland Burke. Now, Kirkland Burke's been on our show before, and you're going to hear some interesting things today on this topic. Saturday, July 22nd, 2023 is today. July is American Diabetes and National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clement, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a partner with us today that, once again, Kirkland Burke. He's a U.S. Navy veteran and military historian. We're going to talk about the GI Bill Foundation. Many of us heard of the GI Bill, but not the GI Bill Foundation. What is it and why was it created? How are you doing today, Kirkland Burke? Oh, I'm enjoying one of the best days of my life, and I hope you do the same. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I hope you have your success. I hope you have some success on that best day of your life. That's a tall order. You've had a lot of good days in your past. Okay. So tell oh, us, what where, is, do, where do we start? The GI Bill. <laughs> what, is the, what is the GI Bill Foundation? Okay. Uh, it, it, it actually was uh, the official name of it uh, is the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944. That was the original GI Bill. And the initials GI stand for government issue. Uh, and that also became the slang term uh, that, that uh, especially the, the British and the French used for American troops during World War II. Hmm. Uh, in the world, as you know, World War One, they were they were referred to as doughboys, mm-hmm. and World War Two, two, it was the GI, and supposedly the doughboy came from the fact that the buttons on on the big brown coats they wore mm-hmm. uh, resembled dough that the French made uh, bread from, mm-hmm. and that's that's supposedly where that came from. So where's where's the GI? I was surprised that the French and the British came up with the GI government issue. Well, well, GI was because everything was stamped. Uh, GI meaning government issue, mm. so they kept seeing GI stamped on everything. So they they just you were either a Yank or or, or a GI. Mm. Uh, but the servicemen that uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, President Roosevelt, they uh, they were pretty sure that uh, America would win the war once the invasion took place. Uh, but uh, they also were aware of the problems that came about after World War I. Uh, remember when the soldiers were promised bonuses that never came and it led to the bonus wars, and uh, eventually they had to use the troops under uh, the command of General Douglas MacArthur to break up uh, the, the camps that they had, uh, sort of like, like the old freedom camps and everything. Mm. And they didn't want that to happen after World War II. So they came up with the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944. 
And basically what it would do, it would uh, grant you, it would get you uh, uh, mortgage. The government would guarantee uh, a home mortgage for you where you didn't have to make a down payment. It also would cover your tuition in uh, colleges and universities as well as trade schools. And uh, this was transformative in terms of uh, the United States. It, it, uh, it's arguably probably the most significant piece of legislation of the 20th century because it completely changed what America was. And that was led to the creation of the so-called American dream. Prior to World War II, there was no American dream. Hmm. People just wanted to come to America, you know, for freedom and all that. But that whole concept of uh, ownership of a home and everything, that came about after World War II, because we were basically an agricultural society prior to that. Most people lived on the farm. And uh, just like the saying and, and a song after World War One, there was a song that came out, how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris? In other words, once that soldier has been to Paris and experienced that 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 kind of party life, it's going to be hard to make him go back and plow a field. A lot of a lot of soldiers didn't come back from France. Right now, what happened was uh, the depression hit, and so that that killed off a lot of the progress that would have been made in between the two wars. Leading up to World War II, uh, when you look at uh, a lot of documentaries and stuff, they kind of give you the impression America didn't turn into a wartime economy until after Pearl Harbor was bombed, and that's not true. Uh, Truman had already met with captains of industry, and they were already getting them to uh, manufacture uh, war materials that they needed. And a lot of them went over to England on the Lend-Lease policy. Um, one of the most reluctant was was uh, Ford, Henry Ford. As he, you know, he was a, a, a fiercely anti-Semitic, uh, and he didn't really want any part of it. And Roosevelt kind of basically put it to him that when the war comes, and it will come, at the end of it, basically, you don't want to be said that you weren't on board. And a lot of the Ford trucks were actually sent over to help the Russians. Mm. Because most of the military in Europe at that time was still cavalry. Even yeah. even the, the, the German army, which everybody said, oh, they were the most powerful army at that time, was not heavily mechanized. Mm -hmm. Everybody still rode horses. They were still then. riding around on horses. Yeah. And uh, so we've got the GI Bill. And now what this did, and it and it lasted from uh, nineteen, what was it, around nineteen forty four to nineteen forty nine. Nearly, uh, you got nine million veterans uh, received close to four billion dollars from the bill's unemployment compensation program. Now, uh, the education and training provisions existed only up until nineteen fifty six. Uh, but they kept offering the uh, insured loans for homes and everything up to 1962. Now, remember, we're in the Cold War. What happened in 62? The Cuban Missile Crisis, mm. which now made them realize this piece that we think we got may not really be as, as what we think it is. So 
the re, there was the Readjustment Benefits Act was passed in 1966, which was kind of retroactive. Now it covered uh, veterans who served, whether in peacetime or in war, during time of war. And that's uh, that. that it, it's something that whether how it transformed the United States was people now who never would have owned a home never would have dreamed of owning a home, never would have gone to college or trade school, now could go. And what happened in that, that led to the creation of the, of the suburbs uh, getting bigger and bigger like they did, uh, which created, uh, then Eisenhower uh, pushed through the interstate highway system so that people in those suburbs could get back into the city to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a ripple effect of that is the interstate highway system created a lot of segregation in the cities that it went through. Mm-hmm. Cutting off uh, neighborhoods, cutting and, and uh, even cutting off neighborhoods of, of uh, the same ethnic group. I remember when I was in college, I took a histor- history class, and, they, and there was one of the students who did a report, and one of the things he brought up, and it was actually an original document, um, a memo from the city of Chicago leadership at that time um, from, from City Hall that talked about how I-94, which we know of today as the Dan Ryan, was actually used to divide the city so that it would keep blacks on one side of, this, of, the, of I-94 and whites and more affluent on the other side of I-94. So essentially it was a wall to keep, to kind of divide the city and, and, provo- and kind of provoke segregation. And, and that was kind of actually by necessity. Uh, the interstate highway system, the, uh, the roads that go east-west are even number. The north-south interstates are odd number. But in, in Chicago, going through Chicago, you've you got 94 going north and south. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is it couldn't go across Lake Michigan. So 94 has to go down to the southern end of, of Lake Michigan and then come back up, and it doesn't split to go back east-west again until you get right outside of Milwaukee. But that, let's get back to the GI Bill. <laughs> <laughs> So it's okay. one question I have about the GI Bill. So there is a there you might have heard of the the Veterans History Project that talk about, talks about how oftentimes a lot of the benefits weren't always open to all veterans who served, and particularly the GI Bill and a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, the home loan guarantee programs that were available at the time. So, so talk talk about that if you can a little bit about the history of how African Americans right. um, you, uh, you, what, those what you would do is apply with the, the VA and they would give you what's called a certificate of eligibility, mm-hmm. and that you would take uh, to the bank or you would take it to uh, the uh, educational institution that you wanted to go to, and that was all you needed. Now, remember, with this, they not only paid your tuition, you also got a monthly stipend with that. So you really were being paid to go to school. Uh, your mortgage, you didn't need a down payment. But here's what happened to the black veterans. When they went to the banks, the banks would not give them a mortgage. So while white people were moving, they were, they were getting mobility out of uh, the slum areas they were in and now getting that, that, uh, that 
you know, as they came back and got married, you had the baby boom. They were able to go get those little homes that you see in the suburbs that, that kind of ring Cook County. But the black veteran was not able to get a mortgage. And that's what led to the contract buying that was that that was prevalent among uh, in the black community all the way into the 1970s, where you you didn't have a mortgage, you bought on contract, which basically you were just pay, you were paying monthly to stay in that house, and if you missed one payment, they could evict you. So kind of like the the predecessor to rent to own. So the the Aaron's version, Aaronson's version of, of buying a house back in the day. Right. If if you uh, in Chicago, all those homes you see on Ninety Fifth Street over there, like between Halsted and and going over to Cottage Grove, that whole area over there, Lilydale, and all that, those homes were basically bought on contract. And they inter- would not give you a mortgage. And it was interesting because we've had we actually had um, Steffi Collado did some research on this topic as well, and we've had some guests on our show that talked about how their grandparents couldn't even get a, a certificate of eligibility. We call that a NOBI today. I know it's a basic eligibility today at NOBI, but back in the day, just to get a regular certificate, this should show that you could get this benefit. The VA system didn't even give that to African Americans at large. A lot of times, they didn't even get their their, ner- their notice to even bring to the bank. Like it wasn't got even it. explained to a lot of them. Mm. When when you when you get separated from active duty, you're su- you're supposed to have what you would basically call uh, uh, like a, an, an exit interview, mm-hmm, right? And it's supposed to be uh, like in the Navy, the guy, the ship's morale guy. He's basically going to try and talk you into reenlisting. If you don't, then they tell you about all of the benefits you have as a veteran and everything. They don't always tell uh, the, the black uh, sailors and soldiers that. And a lot of them had no idea they could come out and even apply for it. They didn't even know what the certificate of eligibility was. Most of them, to this day, from the Vietnam era, when you ask them, have you got, you know, they'll say, that, well, you know, a lot of problems they have, whether it's homelessness, medical, or whatever. And you say, have you, and now they don't have health insurance. You say, well, did you go to the VA? And they say, Oh no, man! I you know I don't want nothing to do with that. But then well, we've had a lot of guys on our show that actually did try to go to the VA and get their benefits, and they were denied. They were given the runaround. Yeah, and and then also we had the problem during the Vietnam era of guys that had bad paper discharges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, who were unjustly given those discharges. Uh, guys who on Monday were in in the bush, and Wednesday they were back in San Francisco. And and some shave tail lieutenant came up giving them some flack, and you know, next thing you know, they're court martialed and out. Mm. But uh, because they couldn't get uh, the mortgages, it stifled uh, generational wealth. Yes, a lot a lot of lot of the World War II soldiers did not; they didn't have a home to leave uh, for their children. Uh, they didn't get the educational opportunities, especially if you were in the South. You, even if you had a certificate of eligibility, you couldn't go to Ole Miss with it. Mm-hmm. And the, and the uh, HBUCs could only uh, take so many students, mm-hmm. and some of them had problems even even using them there, because some of those schools are, are, are state schools. What was what was the problem with being a state school? Well, the state 
school means that they're still under the auspices of the power structure that could limit how many students they allow in there with that certificate of eligibility. Wow. Wow. So, I, I so think it, about it, that today. Like, if, imagine if all of those GI, if, if all the African Americans and me and people that served during World War II that, that were African American, if they were able to use things like the GI Bill or the Home Loan Guarantee Program to actually buy houses, to invest in their communities, go to black banks and actually have a guaranteed loan by the government in a black bank or go to a black historically black college in HBCU, imagine how different things would be today. Right. And then you had guys who, if you were a demolitions expert and then you came out, you're in your state and they say maybe you need, you need some kind of uh, state certificate uh, or, or, or certification to handle explosives or whatever in that state, but you've got to go to one of their institutions to get it. Well, they don't allow black people to go to that. Mm-hmm. So what you were trained for, you now can't do in civilian life. Yeah. And that led, uh, that also was a, a factor, of, and I guess it would be the second part of, of what they call the Great Migration, which I call the Great Escape, <laughs> was World War II veterans leaving the South, coming North for better opportunities that they, they, they were shut out of in the South. Let me ask you this. We have about a minute left. For you personally, what was your experience coming out of the Navy? And what era did you come I, out I, of? I am, is- a, I am a full recipient of, of uh, the, the educational benefits of the GI Bill. I went to Chicago State on the GI Bill uh, under a program that was called Veterans in Public Service that Lyndon Johnson initiated. And uh, at that time, 1968, you know, the schools were up for grabs. He felt there should be more men uh, teachers in the school. So that program was set up to get um, veterans, male veterans, teaching in the public school systems. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, uh, he didn't run for re-election. It's like, uh, we're, it's like we're running out of time. And Nixon killed the program. Mr. 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 Burke, i got I got to cut you off in there right there because we just ran out of time. So thanks for being on the show. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. I want to get more into your personal story next time you come back. Let's jump off at that point right there. But thanks for coming on our show. It was great to have you. Always got some great information for us, a history lesson today on U.S. America's Heroes Group. So thanks for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is, Kurt, this is Sean Claiborne with America's Heroes Group, Kirtland Burke, USA Navy veteran, military historian, and more to talk about later. We'll see you in a little bit. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.